listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Turning your Bibles to, to 1 John chapter 2. Um, love for everyone to have a Bible in their hand, whether that's on your mobile device. Just don't go on Facebook or Twitter or anything during uh, the sermon. Avoid that temptation and, um, and, and get your Bible app going there and you can um, follow along that way. Or the best thing is hard copy so you can underline, so you can make notes and encourage you to be doing that today as we work through um, God's Word. We're in this series in 1 John talking about authentic faith. What does an authentic, what does real faith in Jesus Christ look like? And, um, and, and, and really it boils down to a right view and understanding of Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, but then it's about obedience. But beyond that, it's also about a love that is expressed towards God as well as towards one another. And so 1 John chapter 2, we're going to be picking that up in just a moment here as we've been working verse by verse through this incredible book. It's a tough chew, this book. It's, it's uh, an important book. It's in God's word for a reason. And it's for us to not just skim over, but for us to dig into. And that's what we're doing uh, over um, five weeks so far. And we're going to continue on even into the summer. Now, I don't know if you particularly like, I'm sure the kids here today probably uh, get a little excited about jelly beans. But jelly belly jelly beans, I remember when they came out, or at least when they came to Canada, these things were awesome. You could buy them at, and, and still probably can, at Costco, and, and they're flavored jelly beans. They have at least like 49, 50 flavors of, of these wonderful tasting jelly beans from, from like root beer flavored to uh, peach to buttered popcorn, which I think personally is gross, um, cinnamon, cantaloupe, cotton candy. I mean, just all kinds of different flavors that you can enjoy. In fact, in the 1980s, when President Reagan was president of the United States, he made this the official candy in the White House. And so they supplied him and uh, White House staff or whoever guessed with jelly belly uh, jelly beans, just something you probably didn't know. Aren't you glad you came to church today? You learned something new. Uh, by the end of his presidency, he gave up on those and I guess M&Ms became the favorite uh, for the presidency. So just thought you might need to know that. But then after they released these jelly beans, it was a number of years later that they released a game to go with the jelly beans called Bean Boozled. How many of you have played Bean Boozled before or know about this? This is absolutely a disgusting, terrible game. I was given this game. We have not yet played it. What happens in Bean Boozled, in case you're not uh, aware of, of what goes on in this game, you have a choice between two identical looking jelly beans. You cannot tell them apart. They look exactly alike. However, one flavor is good and one flavor is not so good. And and so it's a little board game. You spin the little dial and, and um, it, it tells you the color that you should pick up. And, and uh, when you do that, either you will have, a, and, and they're the same color, they, they look identical, but one will be a coconut flavored one or the other will taste like spoiled milk. And you, you have no clue. And so you play this game with someone else. Then there's strawberry flavored or dead fish flavored. And apparently from what people have told me, they taste, I don't know who's eaten dead fish before, like dead rotting fish, but um, th then there's some other kind of unique ones that they have as well. There's, um, there's also peach or barf. Um, tutti Frutti or stinky socks. Um, the one that I've enjoyed most on YouTube, and you can Google this, I won't show it here because um, I love you folks. Um, black licorice or skunk spray. 
And uh, just Google that. And um, yeah, if you have, yeah, anyways, just moving on. Um, and, and so you must choose carefully what kind of a jelly bean because uh, really, um, it's either going to be awesome or it's going to be terrible tasting. One will taste just so much like that flavor on, on the good end and one on the not so good. So you have one choice. One will, mm, 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 it'll be good. And the other one, oh, 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 uh, you better be. So this game will be played if you want in the parking lot. So parents, if you see me handing out jelly beans to your kids today, just be forewarned, you know, after the service. Or maybe you'll want to make sure I don't do that. But over the next two Sundays, as we continue through this series, we're going to see uh, something even with bigger ramifications and a bigger impact than a good jelly bean and a bad jelly bean. We're going to be confronted with two choices, two pursuits that we all face. And these ramifications are huge, not just about a good or a bad tasting jelly bean, but really about choosing between two very important things. And it's either one or the other. We're either... Choosing and pursuing one road, or we're choosing and pursuing another road. And first of all, the one we're going to be looking at today is the road that leads to life. It leads to a life of fulfillment and joy. But then there's the other option, and we're going to look at that next week, the road that leads to death. And we will see here in in 1 John chapter 2, partways through, as as we'll be picking it up in a few moments in in verse 11, that there are two choices and two pursuits. The eternal road, the road that leads to life, leads to a life of fulfillment and growth and excitement for the life here as well as life to come. And next week, the one that is filled with temporal pursuits and temptations that will never, ever fully satisfy and in the end will lead to destruction. And every one of us faces a choice. Today you are facing a choice, what road that you are pursuing. We are pursuing one or the other. And in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 13, encourage you to write down the references as you see things on the screen. Encourage you to study it and to look at it this week, even perhaps underline these. These are foundational verses. Proverbs 14, 13 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in, the, but in its end it leads to death. And so there's a, there, there's a good and attractive road that seems right. And, and yet if we're not careful, it can lead to death, to destruction. Or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, look carefully. King James, I, I love the word. This may be how I memorized it when I was a child. It was look circumspectly. That was a big word for a young guy. But now translations put it, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Don't waste your life. Make good choices. Pursue the right things, the good things. Not, not the things that, that are just here, temporary, and then gone, and leave you empty and void. What are you pursuing? These, this is a question that we are asking ourselves these next number of weeks. We must choose carefully. We must choose daily. We must choose individually. You just can't assume that because you're in church today that you're on the road that leads to life. That's a a poor assumption to make. That's a dangerous assumption to make. We must examine our lives in light of the word of God, not just in light of our knowledge and our activity. And this is why this series in 1 John is so important. And here we have John, the Apostle John, old John. He's in his 80s, maybe even to 90s. Even one commentator I was reading even figured he was nearing 100 years old. He is the apostle of love. Not only did he have a love for Jesus, but had a heart that was trans- transformed from, from John, the son of thunder, one of the sons of thunder, to a very loving, very 
very caring man. And so he's, he's saying some hard things to people who he loves dearly in the letter here in 1 John. It's kind of like he's had the, his gloves off the first two chapters so far, saying some very pointed, strong words, but very necessary words. He's not necessarily, he's not accusing them, but he's warning them to not fall prey to unbiblical teaching that is not grounded in the word of God, but instead is grounded in, in false teaching and new revelations and new experiences. Be full of discernment. This is what he's wanting to have go through our minds and to realize. He's reminding us, we, we've covered this over the last four weeks He's reminding us of the core gospel truths about what an authentic faith looks like. And he knew, he loved these people. He knew they were pursuing God. They, 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 were, they were doing well. They were progressing well. And yet he was wanting to warn them and protect them and challenge them on pursuing the right things. And ultimately, the whole reason why he was writing the book we, in, in 1 John chapter 5, 13, he wrote this book, he wrote this letter, it's for us today so that we can know that we have eternal life. We can have the assurance, not just I hope so, not just I think so, but he's written this entire letter to us even here today so we can be assured based on the word of God and on the truths that we've been covering and will continue to cover here in, in the word of God. You see, sadly, there are many people, many, 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 many people who just think, hey, I prayed a prayer. I'm in. I, 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 I go to church. I try to live a good life, well, at least better than others, you know, and, and on, the, on the slate of, of how I'm, I'm doing and how I'm living my life and how I'm raising my family, I'm doing a lot better than others, so it must be good. Is that enough? This is why we're digging into this book to see, is that enough? Is that the call that we are to do? Is that where it starts and stops? And, and, and after the first 11 verses of chapter 2, where we are looking in, in the last couple of weeks and where we left things off last week, it's kind of like he, he's almost like, whew, those are some tough words there. So far, this is tough words, and, and it's almost like, like when you read this, that he's like, okay, I'm, he, he got up from the table from where he was writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit that was leading him to write this, and he kind of got up and he went for a little walk outside, and maybe he grabbed a coffee and was just taking a little bit of a break, just so that he could just, you know, just, just allow um, the Holy Spirit to work through him a little bit, and, and now he comes back and he's kind of softer, and, 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 and he even, it kind of has a, a brief kind of poetic interlude that we're going to look at here. There's kind of this, this picture that he's painting, and it's a warm picture. It's a good picture of the various levels or, or, or steps of spiritual maturity, ones that we are to be progressing in and to be growing in. And, and, and so here he is just, just coming back with some really kind, kind of interesting words and, and, and some, some very good thoughts here, and yet a challenge from God's word for us that I trust we'll see here today. So we're going to pick it up in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 12. I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now notice he's kind of writing to different stages or ages, if you want to say it, of physical maturity, but he's meaning this in a spiritual sense. The, the different phases, stages 
of physical and spiritual maturity. And the first thing we see in verse 12 is, is he's writing to, it says little children. And the word there is, is an infant. He's writing to, to, about infants, about babies. And then in verse 13, he's writing to young children. And, and this is elementary age. This is no longer infants, but they're still under their parents' watchful care and attention. And then twice he mentions young men. These are men who are in their prime, who have life awaiting them, ahead of them. They're filling out still, and they're, the, the world is waiting for them to discover it. And, and then twice he refers to fathers, and he's speaking of a mature man, someone who is growing and has grown and is a mature man. This represents the stages that we see of physical maturity, but today we're looking at it in the light of spiritual maturity. Now, you know, these kind of stages are absolutely necessary on a physical and on a spiritual level. That, and, and we know that we can't make ourselves grow physically. Well, there are certain things we can do to make ourselves grow physically, but oftentimes, well, it can be in good ways, but also in not so good of ways. But ultimately, that growth and spiritual growth is dependent on God and how he is working in and through our lives. You know, it was seven years ago, right about now, that we had just finished making the very difficult and hard decision to leave Alberta and move to Kelowna. And now I know some of you are probably thinking, well, that's an upgrade. That wasn't a hard decision at all to make, to move from um, Alberta to Saskatchewan, or, or to Saskatchewan. Now that would be, uh, move to, from Alberta to British Columbia to Kelowna. Um, but it was a very difficult decision for us. We left um, family, um, not, not blood family, but blood-bought family. We, we left our spiritual family, a family that we had been with for 14 years pastoring just outside of Edmonton and, and enjoyed difficult but a fruitful work of God. And so it was hard for us to leave. And, 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 and also something that made it very hard for me to leave was probably my pride um, in some ways because years earlier I had told the Lord and I told other people that there was no way on this earth would I ever pastor in British Columbia and the other thing I would never do is be a church planter. Both of those were just dumb. I can never see myself doing either one of those. Those are crazy. However, what intrigued me and excited me as we sensed God saying, yes, you are to move to Kelowna, um, the thing that excited me was the opportunity, and this may sound weird to some people, but it excited the living daylights out of me, was to be a part of an intergenerational church. To see a church with all the ages together. To see um, seniors, to see babies, to see children. Even today, having Harvest Kids in here. Kids, it's special to have you in here with us today as we're going through this. Next week, Harvest Kids will be full tilt once again. But there's something beautiful about seeing that and, 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 and knowing that Kelowna has many retirees it, it, and as well as many young families and, 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 and a thriving college and university campuses. It could see where, hey, this could be very special to be part of something here. And, and being a part where you see the generations together in worship, serving together as... as, as uh, an intergenerational family, together in prayer, growing in Christ together, and together reaching the lost people in this city and region for Christ. Amen? This is a team effort. This is all generations, all hands on deck, all being a part of this. And, and this is what really excited me and, and uh, was, was tr trusting and believing the Lord for. And you know what? God has fulfilled that dream and that desire. 
not as I would have ever have planned because he also threw the church planting thing in there um, shortly after coming to Kelowna, but it has all gone according to his plan. And these categories that, that we're talking about here today, we get to see here week after week and throughout the week at Harvest Kelowna. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm going to ask four men to come and join me up here. You know who you are. I'm going to ask four men to come up here. And we're going to talk about these generations. We're going to talk a little bit about what we see here. So come on, men. You know who you are. Right on. Come on up here, Elijah. And you can stand in here. Excellent. Fred, turn around and, and uh, grab little Eldon. There you go. Wonderful. So you guys... All right, so come on in here, guys, and kind of stand in there together. Here we see what we've just been talking about in God's Word. We, we see these generations, and, and, and how great to see little Eldon. Eldon was born January, February 5th, and he is still, look at that hair, look at that smile. The cool suspenders, yes, he's looking so good. Look at on Fred, look at Fred's hair and Fred's smile. Isn't that awesome? I mean, two opposite ends, right? You know, and, 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 and we see, I love that. that that's so, so good. And, and here is, is little Eldon, though, but he's pretty helpless. Like, I noticed, Eldon, you didn't come walking up here this morning when I said, would the men please, you knew you were going to be a part. He needed help. He, he, he's relatively helpless right now. I mean, he lets his, his parents, his family know when he's, when he's hungry, when he's dirty. Um, but with that smile, he also knows when he's, lets them know when he's happy, too. You know, and, and with that hair, I mean, just killer hair. That, that is just so good, you know. And, and, um, but, but he's an infant, and, but he's growing, and, and he's been growing quite a bit. It's pretty cool to see. And then we have Elijah. We have Elijah. Elijah, how old are you? Nine. Nine years old, and who's growing. He's healthy. His parents love him. They're instructing him. They're disciplining you sometimes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> You've come a long way since you were Eldon's age, weren't you? I want you to just turn around and take a look at the screen for a moment, okay? Because there's a picture of you on your dedication Sunday when you were just like Eldon, just a little guy. And you see your mom in the background and the picture cropped out your dad because he looked funny. And so, um, you know, and, and, and there you are. Look at how you've grown from that little guy to this, like that's pretty cool how that's happened. And, and, uh, but you're still young, you still need lots of instruction, but he's growing and he's progressing well. That's encouraging, that's awesome. And then we have Ben. We have Ben who's in his 20s. You have a job, you have a career, yes. talented. He, he does this metal art that, just follow him on Instagram, it's just incredible what he can do on that. That's not even a shameless plug for you. Um, but, but seriously, have you done that project yet that we've been talking about? Uh, yeah, this but, afternoon. Yeah. Anyways, and, and, um, and, and he's, he's been brought up in a good home. He's made wise choices. He's made some not-so-wise choices, I'm sure, in life at times. But he has his head, I think, we think, somewhat screwed on well. And, and life is waiting for him. It, it's, he, he, he's in prime. I'm still telling Charlotte. I, I figured I haven't even hit prime time yet. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm, it's coming. But, but this guy has, has so much awaiting for him. He's, he, he's the young man that we, we see here in the Word of God. And then we have Fred. We have Fred who... Glad you said mature, not old. Yes, you mature, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we have mature Fred who is, ha, has walked this earth 
and has walked with the Lord a lot of years. And through the good times and through the confusing times and through the difficult times, he has found God to be faithful in his life. He's had family. He has a wife who still loves him dearly, we think. Right, Leona? And, and he's worked hard and he has served the Lord faithfully for many years. And so, so we have this. And, and, and this is what excites me about the body of Christ. This, I believe, just not on a physical level, but on a spiritual level, is what a healthy church consists of. All ages, together, together. Working together, serving together, and it brings me so much joy. Like uh, last week when the Radiant Conference, the women's conference was taking place, hearing some of the conversation that was leaking out of there and just, just knowing that we have, have some new believers, some, some, some spiritual babies who were at a table with some who've walked with the Lord for many years and hear of the, the conversations, not just around the table on that conference day, but since then and, and the relationships as, as the old are, are helping the young. And I'm like, yes, I love that. That is so amazing. Or, or, or even just, I heard this week of some parents who were having a bit of a difficult time on a recent Sunday with, with their kids and, and, and the kids were acting up a little bit and, 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 uh, and the parents were trying to do their best in disciplining and caring for, for, for their children though they were acting up and one of the senior men in the church went to this couple and just gave some words of encouragement and said hey he caught him doing something right and, and trying to be good parents and spoke some words to these parents that was like a million dollars for them and just a reminder to them of God's faithfulness thanks men for your help Eldon you're tapping out on us here or he just wants to see people that's all he just wanted to see you men can go sit down thank you so much for helping to set this example or even just yesterday, just hearing of some young ladies who have gone for the last number of years, but went again to one of our senior men's, one of our mature men's uh, houses to plant some flowers. They've been doing that for the last at least three years. And just the enjoyment and, and, and the friendship and the bonding that happens because of this. And I'm just like, God, you're amazing. This is beautiful. Love to see this kind of thing. Folks, we are so blessed. Seniors, don't underestimate your presence here in the body of Christ. Would you young folks agree? What? Do you agree? Yeah, yeah there we go. A little enthusiasm, a little life there. We need one another. In Titus chapter 2, we are told that the older men, older women, and it says they're not mature, it says older, so I'm just using God's word as, it's, as it says, are to teach the younger men and teach the younger women. We are to have that kind of an influence on the lives of one another's, lives of one another. And so I encourage you, even after the service and, and in the days ahead, don't, don't stick in your own groups, in your own friendship or age groups kind of thing. Encourage you to be, be, be pursuing at one another in the lobby and small groups. Groups. Love seeing this happen in small groups again, seeing, seeing young and old together, young in the faith, no, those who are older in the faith, just working and striving and, and, and serving God together. And in John, he writes in 3 John, in his third epistle, he says, I have no greater joy to hear that my children are walking in the faith. That brings a father, that brings the heart of God great joy when he sees a body functioning in this way. And it's so good to see these ages in the life of the church. And so here, though, in, in chapter 2, John is writing about spiritual maturity, not just simple um, physical maturity. And God's plan, God's desire for every one of us is to go from spiritual infancy, from being a newborn babe in Christ, to grow into maturity. 
And today, I'd love for you to be examining your own heart, your own life, to say, where am I? Am I a spiritual infant still? Am I a a spiritual child? Am I a a young man growing and progressing and, 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 and have a lot of training and understanding? Am I a mature man? Am I a mature woman? These are questions we need to be asking ourselves. And so we're going to look at these verses here in the word of God. And first of all, the word infant, when, when the reference to infants in verse 12, it says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, for his name's sake. John is referring here to new Christians, as I've already mentioned, someone who has just experienced a new birth, has turned away from their old ways, has turned away from sin, has asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior and their forgiver of their sins, and have determined in their heart to follow Jesus Christ, not just short term, but for the rest of their lives. Jesus said in John chapter 3, he says, Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again, unless you become the spiritual infant. And a spiritual infant can be 80 years old if that is the time that they choose to give their heart to Jesus Christ. It can happen when to a, a child, that childlike faith that Jesus spoke about and that we see oftentimes happen within the life of the church. We can see this spiritual infancy happen across the years. This is where it starts for everyone who is in Christ. Everyone who has understood their helpless condition. Everyone who has trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's at that point when that happens that the atoning work of Christ, and we've been talking about this, some big words and some big terms over the last few weeks, but important words and terms that we understand that the atoning work of Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us And we are justified, we are forgiven before a holy God. And that's the starting point of the new birth. Spiritual infancy. And just like little Eldon up here requires a lot of care and attention, baby Christians also require much care and attention. But we must not stay as little infants We must press on and grow into maturity. And then we see that of a child. We see in in verses 13. In verse 13, the, the last part of it says, I write to you children because you know the father. This is... This is the young child. This is Elijah age, in a sense. Someone who's walked the road a little bit, has learned some valuable lessons, has gained from instruction and guidance and learning the truths of God and learning to discern. There's... A joy and a security in knowing Christ and understanding um, that he's loved by God the Father and, and can have a relationship with Christ. This is, this is the believer, the beginner, in a sense, believer. Elementary stage, if you want to call it. There's a lot of excitement and energy and growth, just like there is in, in, in Elijah. He was helping put out the signs this morning. There's a lot of, lot of energy there, and, and yet he still needs a lot of guidance. One thing that... That spiritual children, young, a young child spiritually needs, is still a lot of guidance and discipline and instruction and oversight. Otherwise, they can easily be led astray. Social media, there's um, a video that's been going around, and I thought it was pretty applicable to what we're talking about today. And it talks about how parents, and, and it, well, it shows in a very graphic way, um, how parents trying to instill within their child and thinking they're doing quite well, but they find out they still have a little ways to go. Let, let's take a look at um, the first two clips on this, okay? Hello. Hi. My name's Joe. I'm filming a social experiment. 
Now, um, how many times a day do you tell your kid not to talk to strangers? I tell my kid every day. All right. So if I go over to your kid right now, will he or she talk to me or run away? I'm pretty sure she's not going to talk to you, but try. <laughs> All right. Which, which one's your kid? I'm going to put it to the test. I'm going to go over there with the puppy. She's right there. She's right over there? All right. I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to talk to her as a stranger. All right? Hi. Look at the puppy. Puppy. Look at the puppy. Like the puppy? Yeah. Can you guess what her name is? Uh, Duncan. Duncan? You were close. Her name's Donuts. <laughs> I got some more puppies. Want to go see the other puppies? Yeah. All right, let's go. Come on. Right over here. Give me a hand. My name's Joe. I'm, I'm doing a social experiment on young kids. And uh, how often do you tell your kid not to talk to strangers? Every day. Every day? So if I go over to your kid, will he or she talk to me or run back to you? Probably run back to me. All right. Um, which one's your kid? Do you want me to put it to the test? Oh, sure. Over there, fine. Right over there? So if I go over with the puppy, he'll run back to you before talking to me? Probably. All right, so you gave me permission to put it to the test? Sure. All right, I'm going to go do it. Hey, you like puppies? I got a puppy. Guess what the puppy's name is? Donuts. Yeah. You, like, you like puppies, right? Want to go see the other puppies? I got a bunch of them. Want to go? All right, let's go. And it just continues to go on. Again, parents thinking they did a really good job instilling, but realize, instilling good values and, and teaching their kids, but realize they still have a ways to go. And the same is true when it comes to spiritual maturity for a young child in the faith. Um, just as children are often controlled by emotions and feelings rather than information and, and logic and knowledge, in the same way that can be true for Spiritually, spiritual children. Um, and this is where false teachers just love to prey on false or, or on new Christians. Um, and, and, and this is where many people can be led astray. Young, excited, on fire for Christ kind of people. They want to do great things for God. They're growing in their love for God. They have a joy that their sins have been forgiven. But they're still lacking discernment. They need to be loved. They need to be nurtured. They need to be carefully taught from the word of God. And the goal is maturity that they would press on. And so they're needing an environment. New believers need an environment, just as children need, to be able to learn and grow and to press on to make wise choices and to be spiritually mature. The next, next, next group here is young men. And, and we see this in, in partways through verse 13 and partways through verse 14. And he says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. This is the progression that we see in a relate or from a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a growth. There is progress happening. This is where it goes from just, just knowledge about the love of God or an understanding of that relationship, but to understanding doctrine and theology and understanding who God is and who God isn't. 
And understanding these truths from the word of God and learning to discern these things. This is being equipped with spiritual knowledge and and growing in the word of God. Not just staying in the elementary things, but moving on from there. And, 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 And this is where a young man, a young woman, someone who is growing in spiritual maturity is able to make wise choices because they have this discernment that's been growing and building in their lives. And, and it's an important statement. Look in there. It says, you have overcome the evil one. That word overcome in Greek is nikeo, and it is in the perfect tense. And, and that's significant because it says, you have overcome and are in the state of overcoming day to day. When you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the finished work, the completed work of overcoming... Christ overcame the enemy. He overcame the devil at the cross. He crushed the enemy's head. And that work is applied to our own lives and is applied to us as well when it comes to Satan and his control that he tries to have over us. We have been been saved. We are overcoming the evil one. But how do, and so it happens initially, but it also happens day by day as we choose the right path, as we choose the word of God over the temptations that are in and around this world. So how do we overcome? How do we do this? By being strong in the word of God. And he says that. He says, and the word of God abides in you. And it's God's word abiding in us that changes us. Changes us. And so we overcome through the word of God. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. With my whole heart, it goes on to say, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's no longer about just our salvation and understanding that we're loved by God, by, by Abba Father. But it's growing in that, about that declaration of being declared righteous. It's, it's not just about our justification. It's about our sanctification and continual growth. Sanctification is that ongoing work that started at salvation but won't be completed until we see him face to face and then that will become our glorification where we are finally perfect. Until that time we continue to trust and continue to confess and we continue to walk with God and it, through, through being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And how does this happen? Through the word of God. Even Jesus said, In John 17, he says, sanctify them. This was Jesus' prayer. Oh, would you sanctify them through the truth? Your word is truth. And he's talking about the word of God. It sanctifies, it cleanses us when we take the word of God, just not as information, not just as knowledge, but we apply it to our lives. There's a washing that happens. There's a cleansing that happens. And and it equips us and strengthens us to walk around in a dirty and a messed up world as clean vessels. We are sanctified by the truth of God's word. You know, you hear that, that, that statement that teachers, maybe, I don't know if they say it anymore because it's not true. Um, but I remember hearing this all the time. An apple a day keeps the... Okay, so yeah, some of you know that still. You know, an apple a day keeps the dog. Now, now there's a part where it's true. It's, it's good to eat healthy, but just because you eat an apple a day does not mean that you'll never need to see a doctor. Just in the same way, I think at times we can fool ourselves into thinking that a verse a day will keep the devil away. No! A verse a day will not keep the devil away. It's, it's verses a day that equips us and strengthens us and it's, it's chewing on the word of God, just not settling for a daily crumb but, but going for the whole loaf. 
when it comes to the word of God daily in our lives? And, and are you growing in the word of God? Are you digging into the word of God? We have these God time books that I trust will be out on the next steps desk if they aren't out already. And again, we usually charge for these. They're free today. We want you to be students and studying the word of God. You say, I don't know how to study the word of God. Here, here's some good starting points. Here's some good ways to get it going. And there's other ways you can, can talk to others who've walked with God for a lot of years and say, how do you study the word of God? How are you growing? Take advantage of opportunities that we have for you in small groups, even the summer um, teaching series that we're going to be doing that was in, your, in the weekly email um, this week and, and we'll be starting the end of this month. Take advantage of that. Learn together with others. Grow together individually. Chew on Dig into the word of God. It will change and will transform your life. Just don't settle for the crumb. Go for the whole loaf on a daily basis. Be, be studying God's word. Be meeting God in and through his word, through worship on a daily basis. This is how we, we grow into this mature life. This is how we grow and are able to withstand the enemy when we abide in the word of God. Listen to what old Paul had to say to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 about growth and progress. He, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood, and that word there is infancy. So he's talking very similar, different writers, but talking again, just love the way we see the similarity in, in God's word. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What equipped Timothy? The sacred writings. From, from being a child, he was instructed and trained from his mother and his grandmother, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Notice the word, all scripture, all 66 books are from the word of God. They haven't changed. Society and culture is trying to change the word of God. God's word stands forever. It has not. It won't change. And this is something we proclaim and this is something we believe. And we know that when we take God's word and we take and we read it and we start applying it and living it to our lives, we are changed and we are transformed. And that is the path to maturity, but that is also the path of joy you can go after all the money you want and all the acquisitions. You can go after all these things. You can have, have it all. And it won't satisfy. It'll keep coming up empty. But God's word satisfies. It fills that void. It is to be our pursuit. And then we see in verses 13 and 14, we see the reference to the mature man, to the father, it says. This is interesting because he says the same thing twice to the father. I, I don't know, maybe he just figures he's old and he's hard of hearing kind of thing, but no, he, he's repeating. So when something gets repeated, it's important. And it says in verse 13 and then in 14, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. That word know is an important word. You need to know the word know and what it means here. It means it, not just a knowledge kind of know, but you've experienced an experiential kind of a know. You have known, and this is in the perfect tense, you knew Jesus as Lord and Savior were an infant, but now you continue to know him on a personal daily progression in your life. And even now that you've been, have some good years behind you and a lot of knowledge, you're still wanting to know him. You can't get enough. You, you haven't settled. You haven't hit cruise control. You haven't tapped out. You're continuing on in this. 
You've come to know the eternal one. This is why it's so important. Who is from the beginning? Because those false teachers were kind of, uh, kind of saying, you know, Jesus wasn't God. Jesus was, you know, good man. Different things. We're hearing that again today. But here he's putting this shot in here that Jesus is the eternal one who has always existed. And he says, this is who you've come to know as a spiritual infant, as a child, as a young man, and now as a mature man. And it keeps on going. It's a daily progression of holding fast. This is the reward and the blessing of knowing him and sticking with him in good times and in bad times. Holding fast. Not packing it in. Not giving up. There's a humble dependency in the mature man. A hunger for more of God, but a dependency that more and more as we continue to go, the more and more we're aware of our proneness. I don't know if that's a word, proneness. Our propensity towards sin, our movement towards sin, and the need for ongoing repentance and the, the need for more and more of Christ. It's like Paul in Philippians 3.10, and he says, I want to know Christ. This is towards the end of his life. He's in prison. And he said, I want to know him more. I want to know him more and more. And this is the mark of a mature follower of Christ. And so I wonder today, where are you at when it comes to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. It's not just, well, I've been in church for a lot of years, so I must be mature. No, there's no age or year categories when it comes to this, when it comes to spiritual growth. Sadly, sadly, you can have people who have been in church for years, decades, perhaps all their life, and they're still young and very immature in the faith and their knowledge of the word of God. They've never pressed into God's word into the spiritual maturity. And, and, and instead, their lives are marked with immaturity. And this is why the writers in Hebrews 3, as well as in 1 Corinthians 3, are even saying, you know what, some of you, you should be chewing meat by now. But some of you are, are, are still on milk. You're, you're like babies who, who still need milk. And, and you, should, you ought to be chewing on the meat of God's word. You just have a simplistic understanding of the word of God. And you should be chewing on a steak, right? Ooh steak. It's wonderful. Milk is good, but that's, that's because steak is great. Solid foods. Great. And that's what we are to be chewing on and digging into. And you see, immaturity is often marked with jealousy and strife and bitterness and selfishness and a lack of discernment when it comes to even false teaching or when the storms come you get rocked instead of clinging to the rock you're ending up being rocked and getting rocked right off and and and, and sadly I've walked with people through through some of the worst and, and some terrible terrible hardships and and difficulties and and sometimes when I've told people this I've taken a step back literally when I've when I've talked to them and and, and, and because where they're at in in what has just happened in their lives and I've said Listen, if you take God's word and you get a hold of it, even though your heart is breaking and you choose to follow him and trust him and to cling to his word in and through the next weeks and months of your life, we will come back to this spot six months from now, a year from now, and we will sit and we'll give God glory and praise for what he has done and what he is doing in your life. If, however, you're walking through this and you choose not to do it and you're going to kind of tap out or just like go off and live a life of, of sin or, or just walk away from God and just, just, just give up on it, you can guarantee we won't be meeting in six months or if we do, it will be one of heartache, trials, 
and difficulty. We can hold fast to the word of God. And I've had the joy of seeing people stand up before then people, friends, family, and declare before God giving thanks for the hardships and difficulties that he allowed to happen in their life because they, they got hold of the truths of the word of God. Instead of abandoning ship, they, they held on and they continued on. It's so important that we progress towards maturity. Sometimes you can have new Christians, love new Christians, hunger and eager for the word of God. And within a few years, they're, they're digging into, the, into doctrines and, and gaining great knowledge and wisdom from the word of God. And, and you just see just, just what God's doing in their life. However, there's a danger with that. Unless we're applying the word of God and living the word of God, it can become a source of pride. And pride in our knowledge and our understanding. And, and, and again, it's a humble approach to the word of God. And so I wonder today, is there growing humility and awe for God's word in your life? I pray that there is. Your life, your family, everything will be transformed by it. You say, my business? Well, I don't know. It may be successful, it may not be. Maybe God's going to take you into a difficult season. Just remember, just because you're successful or just because there's money in the bank, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is a sign of God's blessing in your life. We're going to get into that next week. We need to be examining our life in light of what God's word has to say about success, about finances, about family, about friends, about experiences that we have. Here's a quote that I think may shine some light on this and maybe be helpful. Good theology or good understanding of God's word results in a deeper, a deepening love for others. But then a deeper love for others requires good theology. And I think that's really important because the sign that God's word is, is working in your life is that there's a deepening love for others, for serving, for loving, for forgiving and walking with others. And in order to have a deeper love of others, for others, requires that you understand forgiveness. You understand you have good theology and good understanding what Christ has done because serving and loving others will at times be very hard and hurtful. And that's why we need a good understanding of the truths of God's word. And so today as we come to an end here, I'm just wondering, I want to close with just a few truths from this passage that wherever you find yourself today, whether you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm not even sure if I know the Lord yet. Well, praise the Lord, you're in the right place. We want to walk with you in that. We'd love to see you become a spiritual infant and grow on to maturity. We'd love to be a part of that. And, and maybe you're like, hey, you know what? I'm still a child. Or I'm a young man. I'm, you know, I, I'm at that young, mature stage. And, and, but I want to keep going. I want to keep progressing. Or maybe there's some solid spiritual maturity in you and encourage you to keep on going. But regardless where you're at today, there's, there's some lessons and some opportunities to live, in a sense, what we've learned here today. And the understanding is, is that the road that leads to life, living what we've learned here, we're always going to rejoice in the forgiveness of our sins. Psalm 103, verse 12, it says um, on the slide, it's going to say, I think, um, Isaiah, that's wrong. It's Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. We rejoice that our sins are forgiven. Think about it. Go, go home, take a look at a globe. Be thankful it doesn't say north or south. 
as far as the north is from the south. Be thankful, it says, from the, as far as the east from the west. So he's removed our sins from us. But in Micah chapter 7, verse 19, this is a great verse. He says, you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross as the sacrifice, the once for all sacrifice for sins, what happened to every sin that you have committed? It was cast into the depths of the sea. Ever lose something in the ocean? Yeah, good luck finding it. Right, Nate? We were recently in Cuba and he hid a ball in the sand and um, thinking that he, he would be smart and, and, and would come back to it in a few moments. But it wasn't even very deep water and it was a really kind of a nice ball that he had. And, and, and uh, he's like, hey, look, no hands. And, and next thing you know, um, we spent the next hour looking for that crazy ball. Do you think we're going to find it? No, we don't know what happened to it. Who, who knows what happened? But... But that's not even the depth. I mean, that was clear water that was like two, three feet deep. I mean, that was, and we lost a ball in, in that. But it says that he cast our sins into the depths of the sea. As far as they know, the deepest part of the ocean is just off of the uh, Japanese coast. And it's called the Mar uh, Mariana Trench. And as far as they can tell, it is 36,000 feet below sea level. It is deep. You know how high Mount Everest is? 29,000 square, or not square feet, 29,000 feet above sea level. The Mariana Trench is 36,000 feet below sea level. Our sins are forgiven. They are thrown into the depth of the sea. They are remembered no more. They are no longer held to our account. I mean, others may hold our sins to our account and won't let us forget it. But God, when it is, when we come to him and when we come to him for salvation, but we continue to come to him in confession of our sins and we keep those short accounts with him, those sins are thrown Initially, it happened at salvation, it happened at the cross, and it continues to happen today. Those sins are buried in the depths of the sea. We don't earn our forgiveness. It's all based on what Christ has done. That news should excite you today. That news should give you joy that God does not hold that sin to your account. Another thing we can rejoice in, something we can be thankful for, the road that leads to life, we can enjoy a deepening relationship with God. Spiritual growth in this relationship we've been talking about comes through abiding in Christ through the word of God. That God, the God of this universe, wants and invites each one of us into a deepening relationship with him. The one who created the heavens wants a deepening relationship with you day in and day out, that you know him that you experience his love, his peace, his guidance in your life. To know that you are loved and accepted and adopted, an adopted child of the most high God. We can rest in the security of that relationship. That if you know him today, he is like a parent who is helping a kid cross the street, a busy street. And, and there is no way that parent is going to let go of that kid as they're crossing that street. Kid might try, but he can't. And our God is holding fast to us as his children, and he won't let go. We can rejoice. That is a truth that leads us to life. 
And then also, finally, truth that leads to life, living what we've been learning in this passage, is we walk in the victory of Jesus. We must be aware that Satan has a plan to try to destroy our lives, to destroy your legacies, to halt your spiritual progress. The enemy is real, but in Christ we are strong. The enemy has already been defeated. As I mentioned earlier, that at the cross, there we see that Jesus crushed the enemy. Oh, he still has, has a few little battles that he's trying to wage here, but, but in the end, he's done. He knows his future. He still thinks he has a fighting chance, and so he's going to use accusation and guilt and condemnation and temptation to try to lure us away. And that's what we're going to get into next week, how we have to be so careful. Trying to tell us that we're second class, we're not smart, we keep doing it again, we keep falling flat on our face. And yet, those are the lies that he wants to feed us. Those are furthest from the truth. We don't have to live under the accusations and condemnations. We can rejoice in the victory that Christ has already secured for us and will one day we'll see in its totality. What road are you choosing? I trust it's this road. You're choosing one and we'll dig into the next one next week. But I pray and I trust that today you are finding your victory, your strength in this walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now and we are just so thankful for who you are and what you have done. We don't deserve your love, your mercy, your grace, and yet you have given this to us and we thank you. And it's free, nothing to earn, nothing to do except to receive this gift and to become spiritual babies, to be born again. And I pray that if it hasn't happened for people here today that they would they wouldn't leave here without that happening. They would speak to myself or someone that they know that can help them in this. But then from there, we would grow on and press on through these different stages, becoming mature and complete, not lacking anything, that we'd have wisdom from your word. We would see our, uh, still our susceptibility towards sin and pride, and, and we would have people walking with us in our lives. I'm thankful for those who walk with me in my life, who keep, keep me... Um, focused on you when it's so easy to get distracted and get focused on the wind and the waves and the storms and the stuff that comes in life oh would we keep our eyes fixed on you oh God change us mold us transform us grow us into maturity would this be the road that we will choose this week and we take those steps to take those steps of maturity that would help to grow us and equipment equip us and come back next week ready and prepared to be warned and be careful of the lies that are out there that will try to get us away from you and keep us from maturing. Thank you, though, that our victory is in you, and for that we rejoice and give thanks. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord.